Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So Sherry, today we're going to talk about taking up space, which, uh, yeah, yay is right. We just, uh, just for our listeners, often the way that we prep for these things is we'll have a little discussion. We might do a little research and we just had a really good discussion about it. But Sherry, I don't know if we actually got to, this was your idea to talk about this and I'm not sure we really got to why or what made you think of this topic. Yeah. Well, I was so inspired after our conversation with Rachel Bittacoffer and all the work she's doing as a political scientist and just getting her stuff out there. And it just really made me think about how much I admired her when I first discovered her on Twitter for the way she took up space and Mm. inserted herself into spaces where she really wasn't welcomed in. You know, she's a political scientist. She's on the data side, and that's a very male-dominated world. And we talked about that on on the episode. Mm. And so after we were done with the conversation, it just made me think about not just her, but there's so many people now doing really great work around teaching skills around taking up space and moving through the world and modeling taking up space. And so I was just super excited to dive into this with you. You know, I didn't know her story as well as you did. And so I I was really impressed with just kind of her willingness to say like, fuck it, get out of my way. I'm, I've got some ideas here and I'm not going to be shut up. And so I do think that's a lot of what taking up space is. But if, if you had to define it, what would you say... How would you define taking up space? So I think it's a really interesting question because we found some quotes when we were researching. And I think I want to start with one of those quotes. And unfortunately, neither one of us are able to pronounce the author. So rather than butcher the name, I'm just going to read the quote, which is, taking up space means finding the strength to believe that your voice is valid. Mm. And I think that's just a really good jump off point for talking about what taking up space means. You know, there's the energetic part of taking up space. There's the physical part of taking up space. And I think if I had to put a definition to it, it would really be a willingness to walk into a room or virtual or otherwise, but to walk into a space and to act in a way that says, I do belong here and I have something to offer by being here. Yeah. I think you're speaking to, you know, sort of the willingness to show up even when it's difficult, the willingness to use your voice, the willingness to use your ideas and opinions, even with the fear of pushback or the fear of some sort of retribution. It's being sort of like that uh, episode we did a while ago about getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable, meaning that when something is important to you, you're willing to kind of own your piece of it in a way. Yeah, And yeah, it's funny what you just said reminded me of that Shonda Rhimes quote, uh, which says, I always think that's the most important thing to feel like you belong in every room that you're in. And to me, this really speaks to confidence. Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes you don't actually feel that confidence, but you kind of have to fake it till you make it a little bit. But being willing to walk into the room and assume that you are okay to be there. 
Right. Um, and right. again, to your point, the room can be virtual or, you know, whatever, but just, you know, that, that I have a right, I have a seat at the table. I have the right to be here. I have the right to take up space, if you will. Right. Right. And sometimes space, I mean, it can be with the written word, right? Sure. It can be on a podcast. Um, <laughs> it's being willing to put yourself out there and not hide. I think that's part of it as well. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because not hiding to me would indicate an almost consciousness about hiding mm-hmm. um, or not being afraid to say something or speak to something. But to me, it's it's actually bringing that consciousness to what is important to you and bringing that willingness to kind of walk where you may not know what the outcome is going to be, but you have enough belief in whatever it is that you're focused on or passionate about to kind of go where it's uncomfortable, which kind of reminds me, you know, I think the way we're talking about this is in really big terms, but I want to bring this down a little bit because you told me a story about something that happened to you early in your career, which wasn't a huge thing, but but I do think it's a really great example of taking up space. Would you be willing to share that? Yeah, it happened in the first year of my career. I was in public mm-hmm. accounting and I was on a, a big audit. I was on the union oil audit and I was a new staff person, you know, and it was for, it was a fairly good sized audit. I think there were like nine of us out at the client site. We had our own little room and I came into work one day and I started in September. I think this was in the spring and the person who was running the audit, who was like a fourth or fifth year person, turned out it was his birthday. And one of the other people on the team had brought in a cake. So there's this big chocolate cake in the middle of the room. And then at noon, um, the audit senior, his name was Kai, said, okay, we're all going out to lunch and we're not coming back. You know, we're just going to take the rest of the day off. And so, of course, we all went out and we had lunch and, you know, this was my boss, right? And so we came in the next morning and the phone rang and Kai got up and he's like, oh, I have to go to the office. And we were, the Union Oil was right across the street from the Coopers and Librand office. And about 30 minutes later, somebody else came in and said, the partner wants to see all of you guys. And we all marched into the partner's office and he was furious. It turns out that Kai had taken the phone off the hook and the client had walked down and it was like a really bad scene. But he wanted us to each go around and say, I'm really sorry. I know what I did was wrong. And Oh my God, I'm having flashbacks to Catholic school and the nuns. Yeah, right? (laughs) And so one by one, Everybody else said, I'm really sorry. I know what I did was wrong. And it came to me and I have no idea where I got the guts to do this. But I said, I don't think I did anything wrong. And like the gasp that like went up from everybody was just like, oh my God, I can't believe she said that. Hmm. And he was furious Hmm. and he just kept pushing me and pushing me. And I finally said, why would I not think that the person in charge was not allowed to say we could do something. Right. I mean, why would I even question something yeah. that seemed really benign? We were going out to lunch and we were taking the rest of the day off. Right. And it had consequences. It didn't have lifetime consequences, but he had me pulled off the audit. The partner had me pulled off the audit the following year. Yeah. And I would but say- But do you regret it? Do you regret saying that? I don't regret it for a minute. I think yeah. back now and I I still shake my head with this complete astonishment that seriously, like he was treating us all like we were five years old. <laughs> but what I will say is in that moment, it was 
Like I had no hesitation to do that. Mm -hmm. But that is not at all to say that I then proceeded to spend like every year thereafter being this very bold person who always took up space. Wait, what? It doesn't just stick with you forever? It's not just a constant flow state? (laughs) No, exactly. And yet the seeds were planted there. For me, that really planted some seeds. Yeah. Okay, Sari. So that's a really good example of a somewhat small, I mean, it seemed probably monumental at the time because you were the only one in the room full of 10 people or whatever it was that, you know, was willing to kind of take up a little space and stand up for yourself and say what you really believed. And yet it's a really great example. Like there was risk involved and indeed you felt the wrath of some of that risk. And it was pain. You know, I'm sure it was super painful. Your brand's making new right out of school. Mm -hmm. And all these people that are more senior to you are just sort of Thank you, sir. May I have another, right? Like, and right. so, and, but you were, you know, sort of being willing to sort of stand up. And I think that's a really important distinction because sometimes when we talk about taking up space, you know, we talk about big, huge things or really risky um, or unsure, unstable situations. And this one, well, it definitely had some risk. And indeed, like you said, you know, you were pulled off the audit the following year. It happens, it can happen all the time. And that willingness, like we started at the definitions that we started with, to the willingness to kind of walk in and into a room, virtual room, virtual space, whatever it is, and really stand in your truth is so much of what we're talking about. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the small example. We've, you know, we've talked in general about some bigger examples. Um, You rightly pointed out things could be sort of energetic. We could, you know, something could happen written, it's verbal. I know you and I both love Amy Cuddy and her work around power poses and what that means in terms of physical space. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of her work? Yeah, she's really interesting. And we'll put in the show notes a link to her TED Talk. She has a great TED Talk that is, she also has a really great book. We'll put that in the show notes as well. But her work is very much about how when you work with your own physicality, it actually increases your confidence. Mm. And she has a series of power poses, like a really simple one, if I'm remembering this correctly, is you just stand up and you have your, you know, like your feet hip width distance apart and you put your arms like up up in the air. So it's a very powerful pose. Not that you do this in front of other people, right? Like you wouldn't stand up and do it in a meeting. But that by practicing these poses, especially right before you're going into some kind of interaction actually has an impact on your confidence. It's really powerful stuff. Yeah. You know, it's sort of um, maybe a a less serious note. It kind of reminds me of that scene in Ted Lasso when Rebecca, who's the owner of the football team where Ted Lasso is the coach, is sort of counseling a more junior employee, Nate, because he's feeling sort of not confident about something. And she she definitely, I don't know if she took a page out of Amy Cuddy's work or whatever, but she's already quite a tall woman and she always wears high heels as well. And then she kind of like lifts her arms up in almost like a raw kind of pose. <laughs> and what she's doing is she's trying to help him see how just physically taking up space can kind of prime your body to be ready for what might come and to give you that little bit of confidence and prepare yourself for 
I hate to use the word battle, but sometimes that's what it is. And sometimes taking up space means taking up a little bit of a battle. And I know you love that show too. So it just popped in my head about, about Rebecca. Yeah. Well, she's an interesting character. And I think there'll be opportunities to come back and talk a little bit more about her as we get a little further into this conversation, because she's another good example of none of this is just black and white. That's right. None of this is everybody who's good at taking up space takes up space all the time, right? Yeah. And people who aren't good never take up space. It's, yeah. it's not quite that binary. So that's right. That's right. There's, I mean, you know, so we talked about the energetic, the physical, sometimes there's written ways to take up space. There's also just some great practices that, you know, you can start to sort of engage in. For instance, especially women have a kind of a bad habit of saying sorry before we ever say whatever it is that we're going to say. I'm so sorry, but could I just? Right. Right. Just, just is another word. Like sorry and just are two words that tend to, Minimize. Minimize. Yeah. Shave Mm -hmm. off the edge of what we're going to say. And I guess, I don't know, maybe sometimes that might be important, but I think we've over-rotated, especially women have over-rotated towards this softening of the impact of a statement by using words like sorry and just. So it's such a good point. And I think if you really think about it, the minute you have minimized what you want to say, you are sending the message of, I know I'm not really on equal footing here. Yeah. Right. I know I'm lucky to even be here. I don't want to take up more space than I deserve. Yeah. And right. And so as words, they really diminish your impact. Yeah. And it's also you're sending a message to yourself, right. Of just can I be a little smaller so I don't yeah. offend anybody? It's sort of like the verbal opposite of a power pose. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so whatever practice you may need to incorporate into your rep- you know, your regular way of operating to try to diminish the amount of times you use the words like sorry or just or, you know, these right. minimizing words, I think will really help as you start to kind of build up this muscle of taking up space. There's another way on the verbal side that this shows up, and that's being on the receiving end of a compliment. Mm. And, oh my gosh. I'm right, so guilty of this. Right. I am too. Oh, it's no big deal. Right. Oh, those are so cute. Uh, oh, they were on sale. Right. Like, right. Or God, <laughs> that was such- <laughs> Right. This old thing. Or somebody saying, wow, great job, and saying, oh, I was so nervous. Right. Or- um, oh, I had oh, so much I, help. Or- right. I had so much help. Or, oh, I screwed up in that one spot. And so the appropriate response, and you and I don't very often say the appropriate thing to do is, but the appropriate response to a compliment is thank you. Yeah. And you know, for, for multiple reasons. One is it, one it, it, it is sort of embodying your space in a lot of ways. Like, yes, I did do a good job on that. Yes. Right. Thank you. Those are our cute shoes, you know, whatever it might be, but it's also a disservice to the complimenter mm-hmm. when you diminish their compliment. And so by saying thank you, you're actually just acknowledging them, acknowledging you. Right. right. And so it's a, it is a really good practice yeah. to help not only yourself in terms of taking up space, but also just, you know, frankly, like acknowledging the other person as well. Well, you know, as we're talking about this, I think we're already starting to see the breadth of this from the very physical, very profound to the not as profound, not that big a deal, but it all has an impact on 
how we each take up space. Yeah. And it makes me, you know, just because we were just talking about like you choose or whatever, it, it also sort of makes me think about our willingness to take up space in other ways. So for instance, sometimes even like wearing an outfit or, you know, if you're a creative person, like allowing yourself to wear that really loud, I don't know, hat or whatever it is, or something that really mirrors your external appearance, sort of mirroring your internal, what you're wanting to bring forth, if you will. Now, sometimes there's some limitations, right? So sometimes there's a uniform or there's a code or, you know, like some industry, some businesses, some parts of the country are are more demand a more, you know, a certain sort of, there's more rigidity in what you're wearing or, you know, how you show up or what have you. But I think even in those cases, even if there's, if you're limited in some way by rules or either spoken or, or unspoken, I still think there's subtle ways that you can honor yourself. And well, I'll give an example again, another example from my days in public accounting, which I think it's not as rigid dress wise as it was when I was in public accounting. But I remember there was a partner, a different partner who had his very conservative suits on every day. And he always had crazy socks on. (laughs) And right. And so it was just sort of fun. Like you'd be in a meeting or you'd see him and everybody would be like, let me see your socks, right? Let me see your socks today. Right. And a lot of the women or men as well would wear either very unique tie or at a time when, and I know I'm really going to date myself, when the book Dress for Success was all about for women, like wear a gray suit, wear a navy suit or wear a brown suit and don't wear anything else. We would, exactly. <laughs> and, but we still found ways to express ourselves, right? Yep. I remember I had a peach colored suit. So mm. it's, it's such a small thing, but finding ways to express yourself, even when you are limited by some social norms and maybe it's hidden, you know, maybe for women there's, you're wearing like your favorite pretty bra or for me, I have a very small tattoo on my ankle. Right. And if I don't want somebody to see it, they don't see it, but it's there and it's meaningful to me, right? And so finding those ways that allow you to express who you are, even when you are constrained by some sort of societal norms, I think is a, is just another way to, I don't know, sort of express yourself. Well, and the whole reason for it in this context is because it boosts your confidence, Yeah, right? Is that it's not just standing out for the sake of standing out and you might not even stand out. Your tattoo, most people don't see it, right? That's right. That partner's socks, the clients didn't have to see it if you didn't want to show them his socks. But that if you are letting your outer appearance reflect some part of who you are inside in a way that is going to give you confidence, that is going to help you take up space. Yeah. Right. You know, like this whole discussion is, we've been so lucky to have so many amazing guests that have taken up space in their own kind of unique ways. And And I don't think we can go through all of them, but the one that's really jumping to my mind right now is Kara. And if you think about her story, it's a really great, if you haven't listened to the episode, go back and listen to it because it's a really great exploration of finding her voice. In fact, her company, her, the work that she does in the world is called untether your voice. And it's really about finding your story and sharing your story and being willing to take up space in order to share your story. And that was the name of the episode. And I would just add to that, what makes her story so compelling is 
she grew up in an environment that was very conformist and a lot of pressure to not express her own voice and use her own voice. And her authentic so, voice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just another really fabulous story of somebody who did a lot of work to start taking up space in a very different way. Yeah. Who else comes to mind from our guests? So Kat Gordon, who was, I don't know, three or four episodes ago, who started the 3% movement, which mm, was all about sure. increasing the number of women in um, as creative directors in the ad agency world. And I think what's interesting about Kat is she was willing to take up space to be able to create more space for others yeah. and has been quite successful. She's a really good example of somebody who was willing to put herself out there, take up space on behalf of others. You know, maybe not on purpose, but now that I think about it, almost all of our guests have really, really, maybe that's the reason we've been so interested in their stories is because they've been so willing to step out on their own and really take up space. I mean, I think about Nichelle and her writing and her books and her stories of her childhood and, and just expressing herself through her writing and Susan and, and starting the Enneagram in Prison Project. I mean, we've had so many guests that have really used their voices or their actions to change the world in lots of small, large and small ways. Right. I mean, that is part of what taking up space is all about, whether it's changing your own world, whether it's changing the world in a bigger way, whether it's changing the world for just a smaller number of people. But when we were researching this article, I found a graphic of, it was a picture of Rosa Parks sitting on the seat on the bus and then superimposed on top of the picture were the words, take up space. Yeah. And she was very literally and physically taking up space on that bus seat and it started a revolution and it changed the world. Yeah. You know, and, and she's an example of, I mean, talk about repercussions for her actions, right? She had significant personal repercussions. And I don't think we're trying to say that we think you should always push the envelope to a degree that that it's uncomfortable because there are realities at times and different realities for different people. So this is very gender dependent. It's very racially dependent. It's very, whatever categories we might want to talk about, there is often a group more than willing to try to hold us down, keep us down in some ways. And it can create a lot of difficulty. There's a book you and I just read that we both sort of fell in love with called Lessons in Chemistry. And by the way, if y'all haven't read it, go read it. It's such a sweet book. But in it, you know, there's a, a woman, when is it set? Like in the 50s? In the 50s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's a woman who really all she wants to do is be a scientist. And, you know, at every step, at every, I don't want to ruin the book for anybody, but at every turn, she's sort of held back from that. And, you know, again, I don't want to say too much about the book, but, you know, we want to acknowledge that there are times when there are pretty significant repercussions. But I also think there are times that our minds create limitations that 
don't actually exist, or we create worst case scenarios of what might happen if we take up space. And and that's one of the beautiful things about that book. It's not like she stopped trying to take up space just because she was running into issues. Um, She kept taking up space in different ways. And if the right turn didn't prove fruitful, she would turn left. And if that became a battleground at some point, then, you know, she doubled back or, or whatever. And I, I think that that there's a resilience that must be built when we are talking about stepping out, taking up space and letting yourself be seen and heard. Well, and I think the word resilience is so important because the harder it is culturally or societally to be welcomed into spaces, the more resilience it takes. Yep. And I think it's just so important to acknowledge that, you know, it's, as you're saying, and the bar is higher for some people than it is for other people. And so resilience is a very key piece of this. And I think the other really key piece of this is the inner work to know that you deserve to be there. That's right. You know, I mean, since we have a lot of pop culture references today, for whatever reason, it's somewhat making me think of Sally Field in that old movie, Norma Ray, right? Where she had everything to lose mm-hmm. and had literally no rights, was had no voice, but it was the willingness to stand up and fight against basically her, her oppressors that really facilitated a change in the working environment. I actually can't remember how that movie ended. I'm not sure it ended totally well for her now that I'm saying this out loud. But similar to other things that we've talked about, it was her willingness to stand up and fight for rights that really provided rights for others. So, you know, let's talk for a few minutes about some practices or some skill building things that I know we have done ourselves and to offer up to our listeners, because it's like everything we talk about, we want to start from wherever you are today. Yeah. And wherever you are today, it's small bites from there. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. This, this is not, you don't become Norma Ray overnight. You're not Rosa Parks tomorrow, right? Like Correct. you, even Rosa Parks wasn't Rosa Parks tomorrow. There was a lot of work to get her to the point where she sat down on that bus and, and started a, a revolution you know, same with all of us. So Sherry, how would we start? So I think like so many things, it starts with a level of awareness or consciousness of your own willingness to take up space uh, or to desire, your own desire to take up space. Maybe that's a better way to say it. I think it's both, desire and willingness. Yeah, Maybe it starts with desire and moves to willingness, something like that. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think that's right. And and your awareness of when are you shrinking away from opportunities, mm. you know? And so, again, I think that's the first place is to just really be able to honestly observe yourself yeah. and just notice, when am I willing to take up space? And again, this can be in really teeny little ways. We are not suggesting that everybody needs to be doing like big giant ways of taking up space because small things have big impacts. That's right. I mean, your Cooper story, it's a relatively small thing, but in essence, you really solidified. And the fact you were taking up the audit and didn't end up mattering in the the long run, what mattered was your own personal integrity and you standing up for yourself and your willingness to take up space. 
Right. And what's interesting about that one, I don't mean to just keep coming back to that, but it's not like you planned that, right? It's not like you said, well, today I will stand up against the partner in charge and I will, you know, right. whatever. And you're talking about cultivating, it's almost like going to the gym, right? Like you're, we're talking about how do we raise our consciousness? How do we become aware? When am I willing to step in? When don't I step in? It's a little bit like starting with the light weights at the gym. You're starting to sort of pump those weights so that you can get to the heavier weights at some point. And so once you have some of this consciousness, once you have some awareness, to me, it sort of strikes me that considering what is really important to you. And again, the Cooper's example is sort of an interesting one because you probably didn't think about the fact it's important to, to have integrity about how you're spoken to the expectations of the manager, like on site and all of that. And yet probably some things that you had done before then kind of prepared you for that. Right. And mm -hmm. so there are times when we will be faced with things in the moment and we won't have time to prepare. And so to your point about practicing before you get to that point, we'll sort of get you ready when it's time to sort of step in. I think that's right. And I think once you practice the self-awareness piece, and these things can happen concurrently, this is definitely not a sequential thing, is to also spend some time with getting clear on what is it you want? Mm. Where is the space or a space or the spaces that you want to be in? Yeah, because you can't do it all, right? You no, can't be, absolutely yeah. not. You know, and and sometimes it is very clearly thinking about the space you want to be in. I want this kind of job, right? I want to be at the table in this way. But sometimes it's really about what do I really care about? And then what space do I need to be in? And what space do I need to take up in order to support this thing I really care about? Yeah. And so it's being willing to meet the moment when it happens. Um, and you said, we'll, we'll talk about Rebecca again. And, and what just popped into my mind is it's not like, I mean, she's a TV character, right? Um, but it's not like she's big and strong all the times. I mean, right. there were times when, when she was in a difficult situation and she actually had to rely on her friends to take up space for her. Right. And that's actually such an important part of this too, is that sometimes taking up space is really on behalf of somebody else. So she isn't always the badass. There were times when she relied on others in her lives and all of our listeners will too. And our listeners will also play the the role sometimes of taking up space for somebody else. And this is why we all need a badass in our lives. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, I'm taking so, applications. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, and I think the last really important piece, which comes up all the time, is really being willing to stick it out even when it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think about that as we are all always in process of expanding our capacity to stay with discomfort. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, I, I don't, there's no there there, right? Yeah. We're always needing to cultivate that. Yeah. You know, because we're humans and we want to flee to comfort. For sure. And, and sometimes so it's it's at that really difficult moment that really kind of pushes the envelope in some ways that's when that sort of magic starts to happen. Right. So, Anne, we're talking about what's really important. So what's really important to you right now in terms of taking up space? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Probably at the beginning of the pandemic, I really stopped watching a lot of network news. I just couldn't deal with it. It was it was just too negative. And so there are many issues that probably if I was more informed, I might have a stronger opinion about. But I will tell you the recent overturning of Roe versus Wade, it is a very, very important issue to me. And this is one I am very willing to wade into very deep waters to take up some space over. It is a human right issue. It is definitely a women's right issue. In a lot of ways, it's even a men's rights issue. But this is a fundamental right that has now been taken away. And I am personally committed to funding organizations that will fight to keep these rights, to writing letters, to having conversations, to, you know, putting myself on the line if I need to, because I believe so strongly that this is an unbelievably important right for women. And so that's a big one for me right now. Well, it's a huge one for me as well. And I would take it even a step further and say, I believe we are absolutely at an inflection point in this country where that is not the only right that is being rolled back. Yep. And so this is why it's so important to take up space, whether you're taking up space on behalf of yourself, on behalf of others. This is how we change the world. Yep. And this is how we change our lives by taking up space. Yep. And so we would encourage you to really think about what is important to you right now and mm. where are you willing to take up space? Yep. I th actually think, Sherry, that's probably a perfect note to end on because I could not agree with you more to really encourage our listeners, whatever is important to you, whatever the issue is, whether it's big or small, that you start just to build up a teeny bit more confidence and start to wade into some difficult waters at times in order for your voice to be heard. So I think, Sherry, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. For our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed it and would love it if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or post it to your own social media. You can find information and previous episodes at flowingeastandwest.com. Please join us next time for Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life.